friends, family. It means so much to me that you're here today. But it also means I've met my tragic but clearly untimely demise. So here you all are at my best friend's funeral. But why? Let's bring this dude back to life. I wouldn't do that if I were you. We don't have a choice. You can't kill pure evil. How'd you like to play a game? He's gonna kill us all! We need to do something! Peoples are the lifeblood of the horror genre. We are the final girls. They don't kill us. Guys, I think she's dead. You couldn't have put bees inside of us. You didn't respect horror. But now... Oh, you will. <laughs> We're so dead. everybody and welcome to fresh cuts the final episode of 2022 this is mike and joining me as always is mr venom what's up venom how's it going greetings and salutations anthologists yeah i'm doing pretty well mike how the hell you doing i'm doing well this year flew by um right and i can't believe yeah i can't believe a top 10 show is coming in a couple weeks or a few weeks but I guess Damn. it's time. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I were just talking about this, how it seems like the year literally flew by. And with us, you know, because we have different schedules and we don't really get to spend a lot of time together, I, that's kind of common for us, where time just kind of flies by. Uh, but this year especially, holy shit, it zipped by. And I, and I made it a point to try to do more fun stuff this year. You know, Disneyland, um, Halloween Horror Haunt, you know, shit like that. But... Uh, it still seemed to just shoot by, just in a blink. It was gone. Like, I, I barely remember October, and it was only two months ago. Like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, especially up here, well, it's probably all of California, but especially where I'm at, it's like as soon as the summer, like the scorching summer weather starts to wane, it just feels like there's so little of the year left that it's it's like done pretty mm-hmm. much. No, I hear you. All right. Well, also joining us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you? Ah, uh, doing good. Uh, I mean, I, I can't really disagree any further with that. You know, year going by. I think. I mean, it just seems like yesterday we were discussing like how great it's going to be to get some quality films this year, and here we are talking about our year end list. It's like, what the hell? I literally, it literally feels like it was last week that Don said, "I'm going to start a new countdown podcast." I swear, it feels like it was a, a few days ago. <laughs> I got to stop with the heavy drugs. <laughs> I know, and now it's like season two already. Oh, shit. I can't believe mm. it. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight, uh, for our final episode or final movie of the year, uh, it's a sequel that is now streaming on Shutter. So hopefully everyone was at least somewhat familiar with the original Scare Package because we're talking Scare Package 2. 
Um, it's probably better to have seen the original um, first, but uh, I wouldn't say 100% you need to. Like, if you happen to stumble upon this, you'd probably be okay. But there's enough, like, linking it to the first one that I would still recommend it. But uh, let's see. Uh, it is listed as comedy horror. No surprise there. And our synopsis is when horror guru Rad Chad Buckley's funeral turns into an elaborate series of hilarious death traps, the guests must band together and use the rules of horror to survive the bloody game. All right. If that doesn't kind of allude to, like, a major thing that they are... Uh, satirizing in the movie <laughs> maybe you'll hear about it more in our uh discussion but uh general thoughts beginning with venom what did you think of scare package 2 okay before we get into scare package 2 you guys probably remember uh last episode i said i did not want to end the year without doing this movie because the first one was in my top 10 for its year of release so going into this one, I, I tried to curb my expectations, but obviously it, it, it's kind of hard, especially because I rewatched the first one this past Monday, the day after Christmas, and it just revitalized my love for it. I just I had such a blast with it watching it a year or two later that it was just great. So maybe my expectations were too high for uh, Rad Chad's Revenge, but um, I'm not a big fan of this film. It's still a fun movie. There's still great gore, great kills, interesting characters. It has a lot of the same elements of the first movie. But where the first movie had subtle tropes throughout, this movie slaps you in the fucking face with every single trope that's in here. And that's part of the film. The film is very self-aware. I mean, if you thought the first film was meta, this thing is just head and shoulders more meta than the last one but the problem is is that kind of took away a lot of the fun factor for me towards the halfway point of the film i was so sick of the horror references there are so many fucking horror references in this movie and again that is part of the joke maybe the joke just didn't work for me as well as it might for others i've already heard a lot of people say they love this movie that you know they had an absolute blast with it which is cool like i said i'm not saying it's a bad movie I'm just saying that a lot of the charm and charisma from the first movie, the cool conversations, the cool-ass characters, they're just not here. The, they, they, they give us some returning characters, honestly, most returning characters, peppered in with a few extra little characters. It was, it's nice to see Kelly Maroney still doing horror. Um, but yeah, like I said, the segments felt weird. I also got to say that this movie has to be the record for the horror anthology that we spend the most time with the wraparound. The wraparound is half the fucking movie, which may not necessarily be a bad thing to some people, but the wraparound is what was bombarding us with references after references. Mind you, there are multiple segments here that are absolutely filled with horror movie segments one in particular that was actually used well as part of a game in the next wraparound section after it but we'll get into all into all that later but ultimately i i just didn't have as much fun with this movie the horror references were starting to give me a headache they were st you know they were starting to kind of annoy me like you know i'm not going to call this movie a quote-unquote ripoff not at all it, it's an homage it's a trope-filled blood fest you know it's meant to be a good time it's meant to be like a shut off your brain and just you know enjoy what's presented to you but unfortunately i just couldn't find 
I was able to shut my brain off and accept the movie in the first one a lot more than this one. This one, it kind of wore on me the reference after reference after reference to the point where they're quoting whole lines from the movie, recreating whole set pieces from, uh, you know, horror classics. It just, it, it kind of got tiresome after a while. Um, there's still some great stuff in here. Like I said, awesome kills. Uh, you know, gold dust is back as the Devil's Lake uh, Strangler. Or Impaler, excuse me, the Devil's Lake Impaler. And um, one of the segments here actually was kind of shocking, not necessarily because of the quality of the segment, but more because of the cast. Um, as soon as they showed the cast for this segment, I flipped the fuck out. And then when I looked it up and saw who the director of said segment was, it made 100% sense why that cast is there. So obviously we'll get into that in the spoiler section, but... I'm going to say that Scare Package 2 is still a fun movie, still worth watching if you're into horror comedies, you know, horror anthologies, you know, creep show type stuff. It's still worth watching. But I feel like I got diminished returns on this film than I did with the first one. And the long and the short of it is this will absolutely not be in my top 10, unfortunately, even though, like I said, I did still have somewhat of a good time with it. By three quarters of the film, I, I was I was ready for it to end. I was just so sick of the references I, I, you know, I just wanted to see something original so bad. And then the original stuff they do give us isn't very clever, not nearly as clever as what we got in the first movie. So, yeah, decent movie, but a, a definitely a big step down from the first one, at least for me. All right, I'll throw it over to Don. Scare Package 2, what did you think? Yeah, I I was kind of uh, surprised as well that uh, I found this one just as troublesome to get through as Venom was. Um, I mean, he's right on the ball with this one. I, I'm not the kind of person that likes, you know, heavy-handed material given to me. I, I don't really care. But this thing just slaps you in the head with it so heavy, it might as well have just slapped its dick in front of me. Um this thing is just so over the top that it's not fun. And and that's the big problem here is that a lot of these things are intended to be fun, but they're not. And okay. A a couple of the segments work. Uh, I actually really like the first two, but the last two are just so over the top and so heavy handed. And there's just so much like, Hey, did you get this? Hey, did you get this? Hey, did you know that this is a reference? Hey, did you know that this is supposed to be something that you're going to know if you're a horror fan? And it's like, dude, we've seen these movies thousands of times over. I'm pretty sure we can quote the movie by heart ourselves. We don't need you doing it for us. All right? Give me something different and stop trying to tell me what classic horror film I should have seen. Okay? Chances are I've probably seen it just as many times as you have, okay? I don't need to be reminded of it. And that kind of is the general attitude that I got from this, is that everything here is what they feel should be, you know, you shouldn't be, you should be aware of as a horror fan, but they're nudging you over the head so heavily with it that it takes away the enjoyment of the segment itself because, you know, as much fun as the first two segments are, they're complete ripoffs. They're completely you know recycled from dozens of other they're completely recycled from dozens of films they've you know over but they're you know there's still a sense of fun to them the last two are so completely unoriginal that they're not fun 
and it includes so many references and so many bits from other films that you're like, stop, I get it. I, I know what kind of, I, I know these films already. All right. And the idea that, you know, we know what these films are. Everybody knows what these films are. They're just piling on from everything that we've all seen previously. That just really takes the fun out of the film for me. And coupled with the fact that a lot of what goes on in here okay, yeah, it looks cool, but there's no interest. There's very little... I, I didn't give a rat's ass about anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe one or two people, the the wraparound segment, which I, I got to agree on that thing there. It was like, did you not just want to do the wraparound segment as just its own separate <laughs> movie? I, I mean, what was the point of even inserting the segments into this? Because... They're so ham-fisted into the the running order that I I probably would have had a better time if the entire film was just Chad setting up these traps for his friends because they're he mm-hmm. thought they were douchebags that didn't like horror movies and you know maybe you know you have like a reference or two from like a film from the past but everybody you have to the the entire film is you know I mean kind of spoilers here but the entire film is just a saw ripoff where he puts his friends through all these movie traps thinking that you know they disrespected the genre he loved he's gonna have one final laugh and he's gonna make them do this to me that probably would have been a better movie than what we got and I probably would have had a lot more fun with it I may not have liked it as much but I probably would have <laughs> had as much fun with it but. Yeah, the, the the whole idea of using this wraparound segment as a way to shoehorn into the anthology, the segment itself is just so weak and lamp-fisted. I didn't really care. None of the segments, you know, as much fun as I had with the first two, they're not special or spectacular like a couple of the ones from the first one are, because a couple of the first ones, they're actually far better than I remembered or gave them credit for when I first saw it, because I, I wasn't as high on it as Venom was, but I, I did go back and... Because a couple of the stuff I was like, oh yeah, wait, wait, that really was as much, that really, I did like it, that was kind of fun. So yeah, um, I'm probably a little bit lower than Venom is, and if he's kind of as lukewarm on it as it sounds, yeah, I'm kind of in the don't bother camp. (laughs) Uh, It's very high in the don't bother camp, it's like one of the, the ones that are like, I'm like really scraping the bottom of the barrel to like give you recommendations if you like it, but it it it's still got some decent enough gore gags that you know it's not completely worthless, but I, I I'm still completely in the don't bother camp with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, um, so I'll say right up front, I I don't remember a ton from the first one because I didn't get a chance to rewatch uh, it. I remember liking it okay, like I thought it was pretty fun and funny, and I I think uh, with this one. I I laughed at parts of it, but overall, yeah, I don't think it's as strong. I think, based on memory, comparing it to the first one, I think this one definitely relies on the gags a little bit more, and, man, are they heavy-handed. Like, there's, like, plenty of parts where, like, some of the gags just go on and on, and I was like, wow, like, they're really using this to stretch time, and uh, maybe they just don't have the story to push in this one. Um, and that's not to say that, like, all the setups and jokes weren't funny, because, you know, I, I did laugh at, at some of it, and I was entertained at some of the references, but 
man, it, it, it definitely gets heavy handed. It, it's almost like we're going to check your horror knowledge, but it doesn't even go that deep. I mean, it's like, OK, anyone with with a basic horror knowledge, I guess, should get most of the references. Um, I now me personally, I would still say if you like the first one, I would still go ahead and watch this one mm-hmm. because to me, it's more of the same, just not as good. Like, it, I don't think it's a big departure from the first one it's just not it's just lesser good but a lot of sequels are just like that you know so i think if you watched them back to back it'd be okay but uh, you know from memory i i just thought the first one was stronger um but yeah i don't have a ton to add just because i I agree with like what you guys are both saying for the most part i i don't think a lot of the stories the strength of this one um mm-hmm. But if if you want to just watch, it, like if you're in the mood for this kind of movie, I think it's fine. It, it's it's not great, but it's not bad. It's just something to check out. I mean, something's on Shutter that you can support. Um, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see if the directors writers move on and don't do Scare Package three and something else instead. Uh, <laughs> they almost have to. <laughs> Sadly, yeah, it's not that I want yeah. it. <laughs> definitely uh naughty there's some nods towards maybe that happening <laughs> but um i mean they yeah. even say it in the movie <laughs> one true. character even says it flat out i'll see you in the third one <laughs> that's that, that's true um, yeah this but, oh god but you know for general thoughts that's about it i mean mine are kind of thin just because i i pretty much would just echo what both of you guys have already said I mean, maybe I'm higher. I would say maybe I'm higher on it than Dawn. Maybe even Venom, but the first one is definitely better. So if you haven't seen either one of them, uh, I would watch the first one, obviously, first. And depending on how much you like it, then give this one a chance. Yeah, man. I, I First and foremost, I hate what they did with Rad Chad. Um, I won't get into specifics, but, you know, his character was the the bumbling goofball who had a lot of horror knowledge. Yes. But, you know, just kind of used it in like the just the nerd fandom type way. You know, this one, it's such a drastic departure. And even though, you know, we get kind of uh, we get reveals in this movie from things that happened in the first movie that we didn't know about. And that kind of shows, you know, the intention of a lot of the characters in this movie. But, yeah, I just, man, like, as much as I loved Rad Chad in the first one, I hate him in this one. I absolutely fucking hate him. Like, even this act shouldn't be playing that type of character. He nailed it with the first one. Just some beautiful casting. But what they did with the character in this one, you know, we'll go over that in in the spoiler section. But, yeah, just I'm not happy with it at all. Um, there are elements of the movie that I like. Obviously, the gore is still there. I definitely didn't find this as funny, <laughs> first and foremost. Great title card, though, <laughs> I gotta say. And the title card itself, you know, being the um, emulation of, what, Friday the 13th Part 6, I think? You know, the Jason slash James Bond uh, camera lens uh, gag. Uh, I thought that was cool. Um, it sets you up for, you know, uh, what you're getting, which is... Uh, an hour and 40 minutes of homages. I mean, there's next to nothing original in this movie at all. Like even the stuff in this movie, that's not an homage to another movie is still not original. It's still stuff that we've seen before done much better in other films. So yeah, 
I, I'm, I mean, I don't know if maybe just the different directors kind of brought this down because obviously they bring in a whole obviously the main director, Aaron Coons, is still here. But, you know, he only directs the one segment, the wraparound, whereas all the other segments are new directors that weren't on the first film. And I just I'm not real happy with it, sadly. Um, I don't know. What else can we talk about? Uh, we actually get something. Another thing that we get in this movie that I didn't <laughs> I don't at least I don't have a memory of is a sequel to an anthology segment. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I don't remember ever seeing a, a sequel to an anthology segment. I thought that was just really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, I know that there's been films that have been there's films that have come out of anthology segments. I mean, Terrifier is the big one, but right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, like anthology segments in like like an anthology segment being a sequel to an anthology segment from earlier in this franchise. Yeah, exactly. That that was it, when I first saw it. When I first realized that it was a sequel to a particular segment from the first film, I actually got kind of excited because I was like, "Ooh, okay, I like that segment in the original film." It was just over the top, goofy, gory. You know exactly what you know horror fans want. This one. They try to kind of give us the same, but actually give us a like there's a there's a major plot twist in it this time that just makes no fucking sense whatsoever. But again, it's an over the top horror comedy. So you kind of you're supposed to shut off your brain. Sometimes I just have trouble doing that because, you know, things in movies take me out of it. I'm right there with Don, though. I think the first two segments in this movie are pretty well done. Um the first segment is very similar to the cold to the segment called Cold Open from the first movie. Almost exactly identical, just very meta, just with different kind of characters and a different timeline. But um yeah, and then, you know, we get the sequel to the segment from the first movie, which I won't spoil yet. And then we get a couple of other segments that are just okay, like Don said. The the bulk of this movie, as we've already mentioned, is the wraparound. And if you're not on board with this wraparound, you're just going to hate this movie. I didn't hate the wraparound, but I just, like I said, I just hated the constant references. The, ooh, you remember this? Ooh, you remember this? I mean, man, I I remember back in 2017, people were accusing The Void, my favorite movie of 2017, by the way. They were accusing The Void of being uh, one of those member Barry movies. Oh, remember Hellraiser? Remember Reanimator? You know, remember, remember this? This fucking movie takes it so over the top that it's almost painful. Like, I even have it written in my notes. These references are getting painful. Because literally, I was just begging for them to do something original and different. And by the end, yeah, they did next to nothing. And then the ending, like I said, the ending, which kind of implies that there's going to be a sequel, but it's definitely not something I'm looking forward to now. Not the way I was looking forward to this, that's for sure. I mean, the only original thing that this one does is that it actually combines four separate films into one plot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I feel I feel the same way of, about this film that I feel about VHS 99. It was one of those horror anthologies that I loved. I, at least I loved the last chapter of it. I was really looking forward to it this year. I watched the movie. I'm not the biggest fan of it. And then in both instances, VHS 99 and Scare Package 2, my favorite part of it is the fucking closing sequence. It's the song that's playing during the closing credits. Um, in VHS 99, it's Long Road or Long Way Back from Hell. 
probably potentially one of my favorite Danzig songs. And then this one in this film, the closing credit song is a song called Friends Forever, which is performed by a fictitious band called Dragon <laughs> Sound. And it's from the film Miami Connection. And holy shit, the loud ass laugh that I let out as soon as that song started playing. I, I mean, my neighbors had to have heard me. I was laughing my ass off. Literally, the closing song is the only thing that really made me laugh in this movie. That's not good for a horror comedy. Yeah, and I'm not the hardest guy. Me for- sure <laughs> yeah and i'm not the hardest guy to make laugh folks i mean don't forget i i i love comedy and i love to laugh despite me railing on bad movies periodically i i love comedy and this one i chuckled a few times here and there but yeah the only out loud laugh that i let out was at the end during the credits because i just found it so silly that they would use that song from such an obscure film Granted, a film's not as obscure anymore because of the Mystery Science Theater guys. They kind of brought the movie back into the, you know, the lexicon. And now mm-hmm. YK Kim is almost popular, the, the guy, the writer and director of uh, Miami Connection. Anyway, I went off on a major tangent there, didn't I? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the similarities between VHS 99 and Scare Package 2 are almost haunting. Um, so yeah, there you go. Two, two very disappointing horror anthology sequels in 2022. Both on Shudder too. Both on Shudder. God damn it. That's upsetting. Yeah. I I think it, yeah, I think it's interesting that like in this movie, even like when they're parodying one movie, then they'll throw in like little sections of like other movies within the parody of what they were originally parodying. (laughs) Like, some, yeah. they, they start throwing like everything at the wall during one scene and you're just trying to like list off every reference that you're seeing and it, and it becomes a little bit of overkill i mean some of them i I still say some of them are kind of well done but sometimes the gags are, are they don't even have room to breathe because like the mm-hmm. very next minute here comes something else and you can completely forget about what was just happening you know two minutes ago um they they definitely stuff a lot of references it it's it it basically is like the writer and director screaming at you like have you seen this i bet you i bet you've seen this we have too at one point i think don made that point earlier too yeah it's true at one point i actually wrote i tried to write down every movie that this movie references and i got up to 11 and i just got bored and stopped the, the the amount of fucking movie references in this probably film. only in the second segment too. Yeah, I I think I was halfway through the movie at that point, so th- that means I wasn't even up to the stand by me segment. <laughs> Let's just leave it at stand by me for now. But yeah, just my god, the references. It's just like I said, folks. It was too much. If you're if you're, I, I feel like the scream crowd would probably really be into it into this one. You know, uh, mm-hmm. people that grew up saying that scream and meta horror in general. Uh, meta slashers are you know their favorite subgenre i think they're going to enjoy this movie a little bit more you know it probably it probably speaks to them a little bit more um i feel like we're the you know the three of us are maybe slightly older even though technically mike is a 90s kid he definitely doesn't act like a 90s kid and that's probably why i podcast with him so (laughs) yeah i i'm getting that kind of like stuck in the middle generation born in you know so older millennial exactly yep Oh, man, what else can I say about this? Uh, let's see. Yeah, too many references. I also hated the fact that this that the one of the villains in this movie did a, a gag, a Freddy Krueger gag from Dream Warriors, 
can potentially one of my favorite scenes from a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and they just shit on it in this movie. I was so upset. That scene dragged way too long. Just mm-hmm. way too fucking long. It's like yeah. all the homages were coming fast, except for that one. That one's like, oh, no, no, we're going to stop, and you're going to fucking live in this homage for a little while. <laughs> well, yeah, I think part like part of the problem was like there were certain gags that had difficulty striking the balance between like horror and comedy because i thought when that i'm i'm pretty sure the freddy krueger gag yeah. is the one i'm thinking of <laughs> when it first happened i was like oh that's kind of like cool and like yeah. you in like um creative but then it just keeps going and i'm like okay it's loot like with parody you kind of gotta get in make your point and like move on or just yeah it kind of loses its luster you know uh, this movie definitely has that Saturday Night Live factor where they don't always know where to end segments. Like some of the segments drag on a little too long. Like a segment that was funny at first just gets beaten into the dirt and then finally the segment ends and you're like, oh, God, it's finally over. Yeah, this one, some of the segments aren't long enough and some of the segments are just way too goddamn long. And like I said, the wraparound. Don is 100% correct. Why not just make the entire movie Rad Chad's Revenge? I don't understand why even... I mean, I guess just because the first movie was an anthology film based around a video store, we kind of have to keep that going. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of franchises out there that break the rules. You know, Blair Witch, the second Blair Witch movie wasn't found footage, you know? So breaking the rules... Look how good that one was. Well, yeah, I should shut up. (laughs) But still, I mean... You don't necessarily have to stick to your blueprint just because you have an audience. You can still do something maybe a little bit original, a little different than what you did the first time. And still, you know, if you do it well, I think it'll still translate to people. Like I said, like Don said in this movie, it is so over the top. It's not fun. It's almost incomprehensible at times. It's like, how the fuck did that guy live without his skin for so long? It's just little shit like that that's just living in your brain rent free ruins the experience. It just god damn it. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. god. It was cool to see a lot of the returning cast though, you know, different um different yeah. actors from different segments of the original. That that was kind of interesting to see him come back. Yeah, this me, time. yeah that was one of the reasons why I had to go back because I was like, why are all these people here? And then it, mm-hmm. it finally dawned on me because a lot of them are actually, like you said, they're from the, the segments in the original. Yeah, see, I, that's one statement that Mike made that I would strongly disagree with. This is not a sequel to jump into blind. Either. There's so many references you're going to miss. I mean, the Devil's Lake Impaler is nothing to you. If you only watch the second movie, he's just a random guy that shows up at a video store to kill people. Like, what? what is the rhyme or reason behind that? Um, certain characters, like there's a character in this movie that dies the exact same way he died in the first movie. And if you didn't see the first movie, I think you're going to miss the reference. So on top of the fact that the first movie is just better. I mean, if you only have two hours to kill and you're looking for a horror anthology, I would strongly recommend the first scare package over this one. I know this one's new. It's the hot new thing, but just watch scare package. It's so much better, (laughs) so much more charming. It has so much more charisma, so much more likable. Just, ah, God. I I can't think of one thing that this movie did better than the original. And that's not a good statement to make when you're talking about a sequel. Like, usually they'll up the ante, they'll add more villains, or, you know, the action sequences are bigger and, you know, more bombastic, blah, blah, blah. But with this, 
I don't know. They went so over the top with the tropes and the homages and everything else that, like I said, I've said it a few times already. It just got painful after a while. And that's unfortunate. I love horror anthology comedies. It, it just it doesn't make any sense that I don't like this movie. But there it is. <laughs> well, if, if anything, the fact that uh, the sequel dropped and is on the featured menu on Shudder, maybe all the people that missed the first one, the first go around, will be like, oh, this is a part two. Let me find the first one. I hope so. I hope they genuinely do. Because, yeah, the first one, you know, I mean, we've we've kind of been blowing the first movie so much and we're reviewing the second one, but... Um, I, I made that maybe it's because I made the mistake of watching the first one this week, just a couple of days before I watched this one. And yeah, I think it did it a disservice. So I don't know. Stick to the original. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see if there's anything else I have in here. <laughs> at one point at the end of my notes, I got, oh, well, that's it. With the Friday the 13th reference, you got every major horror franchise referenced. Very nice job, gentlemen. We get a couple of post-credit scenes that don't really mean much of anything. And then one of the biggest things that we, that a lot of us enjoyed about the first one, we don't even get in this one. Joe Bob Briggs. No Joe Bob in this one. That's unfortunate. No, he's he, there. Oh, he's there, but only in voice and torso. We don't actually see him, <laughs> you know? I mean, we see his death from the first movie, but like, you know, I don't even think that was Joe Bob. I think it was just an actor. Like, why would you bring no, in they, Joe Bob? He's there in a new segment. Which, was he? I missed it. Yeah. He, oh, oh, in the funeral video, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, new slash old in the sense that, you know, he recorded it before he... Uh, he died in the first movie, but yeah, I, I totally I understand what you mean now. But anyway, oh yeah, I know. What you I, mean. I still I still stick with my statement. I mean, we got so little Joe Bob in this one. He was so fun. He was such a revelation in the first one. It was a great holy shit moment, and we don't really get that holy shit moment here. I mean, I guess the closest thing would be Kelly Maroney, which you know I love Kelly Maroney. Don't get me wrong. I you know it's it's great that she's still working in the genre, but. This movie is definitely not going to help her career that much. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't I don't really have much else to add. That's spoiler free. You guys got anything else before we move on and talk about these segments? Yeah, I think this is prolonged. Stop prolonging the inevitable. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as we've already established, the movie opens at Rad Chad's funeral. This is the beginning of our wraparound segment. That was another thing that this movie did different that I didn't like from the first movie. The first movie didn't start with the wraparound. It started with a segment. It started with cold open. It connects to the wraparound, but it wasn't the wraparound. This movie starts with the wraparound, which is kind of the more traditional thing to do with horror anthologies. But I kind of like that they kind of skirted that expectation with the first movie, but not, they just went right back to it here in this one of starting with uh, the, uh, the wraparound. Uh, like I said, it's Rad Chad's funeral. At one point during the funeral, a uh, gas, some kind of mist starts coming out of the casket and everybody basically passes out, it, you know, some kind of uh, gas, toxic gas, blah, blah, blah. They all wake up and now we're in Saw. What would this be? Like Saw 11 or something by this point? But yeah, <laughs> at this point, the rest of the movie is fucking Saw. It is just Rad Chad and his toadies. You know, at the start of the movie, we think it's just Rad Chad. Uh, we get a video, you know, kind of a, a video eulogy, not eulogy, but um, like a last statement, a video will, if you will, um, at the funeral. And then obviously, as soon as the gas starts coming out of the casket, 
you know, Chad kind of changes his demeanor in the video. And then suddenly he's literally he's he's jigsaw. He's telling everybody, oh, we're going to play a series of games. You know, you guys disrespected my favorite genre. And now we're going to see if you know about enough about the genre to survive my game, blah, blah, blah. We also get the return of the worst fucking character from the first movie. I forgot his fucking name, but yeah, the, the douchebag from the video store who couldn't get a job. Uh, what the fuck was his name? I forgot his damn name already. Not that I really care, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, Anyway, so yeah, that guy, uh, he, he shows back up. Um, eventually, it's revealed that he's part of the gag, that him and Chad are actually working together, which again goes against everything we saw in the first movie because they fucking hated each other in the first one. Maybe not hate. Hate might have been a strong word, but obviously the dipshit wanted to work at the video store because he knew so much about horror um, and Chad didn't want to hire him because nobody likes him. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the last movie was, I mean, just look at your face. I just want to punch it. And it's valid. He has a very punchable face and everything that he does in this movie doesn't make his face less punchable. So, yeah, there's that. Um. And like I said, the, the movie just basically devolves into a series of Saw-like traps where, you know, they're they're given a certain piece of information. I mean, we all know the formula. We've all seen a Saw movie at least once. You know, uh, a voice comes up on either a videotape or an audio or over a loudspeaker, basically giving them some basic information, you know, um, clues to a puzzle that they have to solve to be able to get out of that trap. It, like I said, it's just... Very uh, unoriginal. And, you know, again, I understand that's what the movie was going for. So let's go to our first segment. Our first segment is called Welcome to the 90s. It is directed by Alexandra Barreto. In this segment, we get <laughs> this one actually starts out kind of funny. Uh, basically, we get a very basic introduction of these two uh, sorority houses one of them is called the Shirley to Die sorority house, and then the other one is called the Final Girls. Um, but in and then outside the two houses, the houses are right next to each other, by the way. Um, outside the house, we see a random serial killer holding a, you know, uh, wearing a mask, you know, your standard big guy in tattered clothes and some kind of creepy mask. The funny thing that happens at the beginning is an ice cream man walks by, rings his bell. And the killer literally digs into his pocket to try to find money to buy ice cream, doesn't have money, and he, and he kind of bows his head down in disappointment, doesn't even kill the ice cream man. He, the ice cream man just walks away like nothing, like nothing. I thought that was kind of funny. I, thought was I, I would have been laughing. I would have been laughing if he, if he reached in, pulled nothing out, looked at him, shoved his machete through his stomach, and then just grabbed <laughs> an ice cream and ate it himself. Exactly. Oh, I would have loved it. And then he has, and then he has the popsicle stick in his mouth the rest of the movie. Oh, awesome. We're we're writing a better movie already. Anyway, so yeah, the, the, our segment starts with that cool little, you know, little bit of comedy there. But in this particular segment, um, what was his name? Tony, right? <laughs> Tony was the final girl, and uh, excuse me, Tony was the killer. This segment is very much like cold open from the first movie. If you guys remember the the first segment of the first movie where everybody is aware that they're in a horror movie and they're all aware of what parts they play, you know, whether they're the harbinger, the final girl, the slut, you know, whatever the case may be, everyone is aware of their role in this horror movie. So this movie starts out with all the final girls basically talking about, oh, Tony's going to be here soon. 
Um, he's going to go across the, you know, to the other house. He's going to kill all the sluts over there that are, you know, uh, having sex and doing drugs. And then he'll come over here and one of us will kill him because we're the final girls. And the reason that they call themselves the final girls is because they were the good girls. They, they were the virgins. They were the intelligent girls. They were the badasses, you know, the Ripleys of the world. So they always survive the horror movie. And this, uh, five, uh-huh. and there's four girls. I'll give you five guesses as to who each of them are parried after. Oh, Cause right. Each, yeah, because each of the girls is parodied after final girls of the genre. That's true. I'll, there's four of them, and I'll give you five guesses who they're parodying. Oh, God. Well, Ripley is the obvious one. Well, you said her, but yeah, that's one. Uh, not Ginny from part two, right? Yep, Ginny. The, yeah, the one who sympathized with Tony. Yep, 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 okay. Ah, uh, shit. Uh, damn. Texan. To... Oh, the Texan. Was that Sally? Yep. Because she hates chainsaws. That's right. God damn it. She's from yep. Texas and she hates chainsaws. <laughs> and then the last one, hates nightmares. Oh, it was Nancy. <laughs> Yeah, real clever with that. Yeah, real clever with that. <laughs> Again, I mean, yeah, it, you know, it's kind of obvious if you're looking at it. Um, I, I caught, I think, three of them. But yeah, that the the Nancy one, I definitely didn't catch. I was trying to I was furiously taking notes at the beginning of the movie because I was, you know, kind of into it at first. So I may have missed a line or two there. But yeah. Um, so like I said, Tony, instead of the, the killer, Tony, instead of going to the, you know, surely to die house, he ends up going to the final girl house for some reason. He kills one of the girls in there. The final uh, the, the three girls that survive all freak out. They're like, why is Tony here? He's supposed to be at the other house, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the girls dressed as a cheerleader, <laughs> stop uh, one of the girls from the surely to die house comes over to the final girl's house asking if they have a beer bong. Why the fuck would a house full of final girls have a beer bong? But whatever. Which, she ends up okay, going, real fast. Yeah. The, this, this one here, I actually really like this one here because they actually do one real thing clever. And so the final girl, that the final girl are all referenced from 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Whereas the one that comes in, her name is Buffy. <laughs> Five clues as to where that one's referenced. Of course. But the segment is called Welcome to the 90s. Who's the 90s final girl? Buffy. Who's the one that comes in to save the day? The 90s girl. <laughs> so, yeah, th- that, that's the only real bit of intelligence I'll give the film is that they actually managed to say Welcome to the 90s by introducing the girl reference. The, the reference, reference final girl is from the 90s. Yep. No, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I did enjoy this one. I like the little intricacies that they have in here um, with the final girls. I love Buffy's explanation of the whole thing, how she talks about, oh, what, is he supposed to kill us all because we're sluts and, you know, I've fucked a lot of people, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she starts talking about how, you know, women have changed, women have evolved, you know, just because I just because I love sex and I, you know, know what know how to pleasure you know, myself or a man, does that mean I deserve to die? And obviously she does not. Obviously, if it was if it was 1984, the answer would be yes, you do. But not in 2022 or not in the 90s as this movie is takes place. So I did find I, I did find that kind of interesting as well. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, da, da, da. 
After a while, one of the guys comes over from the house next door, and he ends up accidentally getting killed by Buffy with a chainsaw. I think that might be a reference to Lollipop Chainsaw. I don't know if anybody's ever played the game. It's a video game called Lollipop Chainsaw. It's a zombie game where the main character is a girl in a... I did. Yeah, and I love that game. I it was it. super fun. Yeah. A lot uh, of Riot Girl game... music soundtrack. Like, exactly. It was, it was all-encompassing really fun. It was fun, absolutely. So yeah, the point of Lollipop Chainsaw was that our main character was a hot blonde in a uh, in a cheerleader outfit who carried a chainsaw, and in the game, she ends up having to chainsaw her boyfriend's head. The head ends up staying alive, and, and she ends up carrying uh, her boyfriend's head with her throughout the entire game, and the head can talk and everything else, and it's a fun little game. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if this was a direct homage or parody of that but it felt like it to me as soon as she threw the chainsaw because you could throw the chainsaw in the game too as soon as she threw i mean she didn't decapitate the guy but she basically disemboweled him but that was the first thing i thought of i see a girl in a chain in a um cheerleader outfit and she's holding a chainsaw i will always think of lollipop chainsaw so there you go um so yeah like i said she ends up killing uh, her boyfriend by accident uh let's see <laughs> the the three girls end up deciding that, well, since Tony has flipped the script on us, why don't we go ahead and be the bad girls now? So it's funny. Uh, again, this is probably the funniest segment in the whole movie where, you know, they kind of start out really slow, like they're drinking glasses of wine. And one of the girls spits the wine right back out into her glass because she's obviously never had a drink. They're listening to like old like music almost classical but like you know kind of like 20s swing music and they're dancing they're trying to have a good time eventually one of them does open a bottle of bourbon and they start taking shots of the bourbon and then that's when they finally they slut it up they do their hair um and they also have the idea of oh well if tony is flipping the script let's take buffy and let's make her a new final girl let's make her the good girl and ultimately all they do is they put her in real basic clothing they mess up her hair and then they put glasses on her i'm thinking to myself she's just as hot as she was before i don't know what the hell the difference is glasses do not make a hot woman not hot remember that if anything it might make them more attractive go figure to some people anyway so yeah uh, they turn this girl into uh you know the good girl she ends up not really going for it you know um Shit, I forgot how this segment even ends. Uh, glasses. Yeah. Um, I think they go to confront him, but he just walks away. Oh, it's midnight. Doesn't the clock, the clock yeah, strike midnight? Yeah, the clock strikes right. midnight, and then he goes to just disappear, and then the th- the segment just ends. Yeah, there you go. Um, not again the SNL syndrome. No real way to end this great segment that they had, you know, some good steam behind, and it just kind of fizzles out. So we go back to our wraparound. All our prisoners are now realizing that the gas that they were given at the funeral to knock them out has giving has given them all an adverse reaction. What is that adverse reaction? They are all suddenly puking acid. Uh, to the point where literally they're puking on each other and killing anyone who gets puked on. Like at one point, the first girl who pukes accidentally burns off uh, one of the guy's arms. By the way, third week in a, wo- in a row with Graham Skipper for us. What the fuck's up with Graham Skipper? He's, he's in everything. Um, let's see. Uh, 
Everyone is, is puking acid. They end up having to play a game of beer pong to get the antidote. Basically, the antidote is inside of ping pong balls, and they have to shoot it. You know, you know we've all played pong, beer pong, hopefully. You know, from one side of the ping pong table, they have to get the ball into cups on the other end. The the antidote inside the uh, ping pong ball um, mixes with the liquid in the cup that it's being thrown into, and it turns into the antidote. As it turns out, one of the guys in the group, um, I think he was from the Mister segment in the first movie, the the werewolf segment, the werewolf slash cult segment from the first movie. Um, he is the one who. Uh, uh, plays the beer pong. Of course, he's an absolute master. He never misses one shot. Eventually, he gets all the balls into all the cups. Uh, the force field that was blocking them from walking over to the other side of the table disappears, and they all take a drink, and they are all now cured. None of Well, at least none of them are puking acid anymore. We've already lost about half the group because of the acid puke, all these different people we, you know, we lost. And, and this is what I was talking about. Uh, there's an actor in this movie who dies the exact same way in this movie as he did in the first movie. That is, of course, the guy who melts into a pile of goo in uh, the camping segment from the first movie. I forgot the actual name of that one. But yeah, holy shit. Um, so I, like when they first showed the guy in the film, I thought it was clever. I'm like, oh, look, at you know, he's, he's autographing a picture of himself as a pile of goo from the first movie. But then he turns into a pile of goo again in this movie. And it's just not as clever. Like, it's like, eh, I've seen this once before. You know, I mean, he already had all those great lines in the first movie when he was a pile of goo and he was still talking to all the people at the campsite. Like that shit was incredibly clever and funny. Here, it's just kind of derivative and boring, so too bad. And let's see. After the beer pong montage, yes, they do give us a fucking beer pong montage, something I didn't think I'd see in a horror movie, but there you go. We get the second segment, and this is the segment that I mentioned earlier that we're getting a sequel for. This segment is called The Night He Came Back Again, Part 4, The Night She Came Back. Yes, that is the whole title of the segment. God damn it. Um, of course, the segment from the first film was The Night He Came Back, um, which was the story of, uh, I think her name was Daisy, and it turns out every 4th of July there's a killer after her, kills all her friends, tries to kill her, but then she always kills him before the fireworks go off on the 4th of July, every 4th of July. If you remember, she put her brother in a, oh yeah, and the killer turned out to be your brother. Uh, again, if you saw the first movie, you know that. Um, and, uh, you know, it kind of ends with a wood chipper scene last time. Just awesome. This time we get a little bit more uh, information about them. This time we find out that not only are Daisy and the 4th of July killer brother and sister, they're both fucking invulnerable, as in they cannot be killed. Um, we, we, we find out that, you know, we find out because she gets her neck broken, as in her head spun all the way back, but she's not dead. She's still standing there like, what the fuck's going on? And then, of course, you know, we get the Dr. Loomis character in this segment telling her, you're both invulnerable. You can't die, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they end up, uh, she ends up getting her brother into an open grave, probably the grave that he just dug himself out of at the beginning of the segment. Uh, she grabs a big rocket, you know, um, very reminiscent of the scene where they cut him in half in the first movie with all those fireworks that they stuffed down his throat. 
This time she tries to light the rocket, put it, she puts it, she lights it, she puts it in the uh, the grave. She has a one-liner and then she starts to walk away. But then of course, as expected, it's a horror movie. Her brother grabs her leg, pulls her down into the open grave with her and the fireworks go off and we see bits of body flying around. We see organs and skin, a severed hand just all over the place. But then, of course, if you remember, they are invulnerable. They can't die. We start to see all the blood that's all over the ground start to pool in one area. We see all the lungs and all the different skin parts all start to come together, and they all jump back into the casket, into the open grave. And then what pops out of the open grave? (laughs) It's the fucking fly. Uh, basically, Daisy and her brother merge into one being that's almost exactly half-half Daisy. Half Daisy, half killer. She's even wearing half a mask when she comes out of the fucking grave. And that's the end of that segment. Again, they took a great segment from the first movie and, you know, they tried to go more over the top and all they did was muddy the whole thing um, up. And, yeah, just not nearly as enjoyable, unfortunately. All right. Yeah, it wasn't a very satisfying ending for that segment, unfortunately. Let's see. We go back to the wraparound. Um, then we get the bee trap where <laughs> supposedly Rad Chad puts bees. I don't know how this is humanly possible, but again, it's a horror comedy. Shut your brain off. I know I can't, but you should try. Uh, basically, he claims that he puts like a thousand live bees inside of all of these people's bodies. And they're all wearing those bee helmets, you know, the, the, the famously the bee helmet from Nicolas Cage's uh, Wicker Man. Uh, they're all wearing that uh, bee helmet, but then they figure out that they have to just take the helmet off and the bees. I, I don't even know what's up with this segment because we do see bees um, just like single bees here and there flying out of people like the guy who got his arm melted off earlier. One bee flies out of his open wound. But then one of the characters is allergic to bees. She gets stung multiple times internally and her head ends up exploding because that's exactly what happens when you're allergic to bees. Your head explodes. What do you know? Uh, So after that wraparound, uh, there's a cool shot during that segment, though, where a bee walks across the camera lens. I thought that was actually kind of cool. It's stupid. It lasts like a second and a half. But I just remember looking at it like that looked cool. I kind of like that. And I just saw Avatar, too, so maybe I'm just, like, really high on cool camera tricks. I don't know. And then we get our third segment. Our third segment is called Special Edition. Special Edition is directed by Jeb Shepard. That name may sound familiar to some people. I found out that he directed this segment after I saw the cast. As soon as that segment starts, we see five girls standing there. And instantly I'm like, holy fuck, that is the cast of Host. Yes, my friends, Host from 2020, the uh, the found footage phenomenon from 2020 that I wasn't nearly as high on as most of the horror community. All five girls from that movie are in this segment. And, of course, it's directed by Jeb Shepard, the director of Host. So, yeah, it was kind of a big old reunion, which was kind of cool. Unfortunately, this segment isn't nearly as good as Host. And and I wasn't even all that high on Host. So, basically, this segment, uh, the girls are vacationing. They're um, They're at Gemma's house. I forget the character's name, but the the actress is Gemma Moore. 
I fell in love with her when Host came out, so I, I know her name fully. <laughs> um, she basically finds a laser disc, yes, a laser disc, um, a recordable laser disc that her brother had left for her. Uh, she has a couple of lines about it, but again, I was writing down notes and I might have missed a line or two here. But she ends up putting the laser disc in. Oh, wait, I forgot. The segment starts out with them looking at an image of a man in front of a window. And they start talking about how it looks like the kid from Three Men and a Baby. I don't know if if, if you guys are familiar with that old urban legend from the 90s where supposedly there's a ghost in one scene of Three Men and a Baby. If you're not familiar with that, look it up. It's all over the Internet. It shouldn't be hard to find. But anyway, they start talking about that. And the picture that they're looking at kind of reminds it of them because it's just a silhouette in front of a window with daylight coming in from the window. So they can't see who the person is, but they start talking about, oh, it almost looks like he has like blades for hands, not Freddy Krueger type blades, but like swords, like big ass fucking swords, like something we would have seen in like Frankenstein's army or something. Um, and Basically, Jenna, Gemma, at that point, puts the laser disc in the player. She starts playing it, and as she starts playing it, um, the killer appears. The guy from the original picture that they were looking at, and, you know, he's all fucked up. He doesn't have eyes. Like, his, his head is all just kind of loose flesh um, with, like, red lights all over it. And then he's, his arms are basically big swords, you know, ugly swords, not like nice, you know, Japanese swords, just like big, ugly, two-handed swords. Um, and, of course, he's going around killing people. Now, what's happening, though, is Gemma is playing around with the remote control on the Laserdisc player, and as she does it, it's affecting the real world. It's affecting, you know, the girls in the house. At one point, we see the killer stalking one of the girls, like he's behind her in the bathroom, and then Gemma hits fast forward on the uh, Laserdisc player and we see the killer just come up behind the girl and just start stabbing her over and over and over again in, in fast, you know, it's in fast motion, you know, at like two or three times speed. Then she ends up, you know, hitting play again. Her friend is dead and the killer is now in another part of the house. At one point in the movie, she stops it so that... Um, we, we see the killer going after another one of the girls, and he's literally right about to stab her, and Gemma hits stop on the Laserdisc player, and the killer just disappears out of nowhere. At this point, Gemma doesn't know what's going on. She's downstairs by herself while all her friends are in different parts of the house getting killed by this guy that basically she's controlling and doesn't realize that she's controlling. Eventually... Uh, <clears throat> one of one of the, one of the girls gets killed she gets killed right in front of the television and there's snow playing on the television she puts her hand up on the tv screen to try to get herself up off the ground and she realizes that her hand sinks into the television it like goes into it uh that's when she has the genius idea of just as the killer is about to kill Gemma you know the final girl left alive here uh, this girl pulls the killer into the television with her. And right when all that's left is his head, like the only thing sticking out of the television is his head. Gemma hits eject on the remote and his head pops off his body. And that's the end of our segment, folks. I mean, it's a quickie. Like I said, the, the big thing about this segment is just to see the, the cast of host back together with their director. I, I just it was so surprising to me. I literally stopped the movie and checked IMDb. I was so con I mean, like I said, I fell in love with Gemma Moore when host came out. 
And when I saw her in this movie, her hair's a little bit longer, obviously, you know, she's a couple of years older. So I wasn't a hundred percent sure it was her, but you know, deep down inside, I knew it was her, but yeah, IMDB confirmed that. So that was interesting. Maybe not a good segment, but just the fact that, you know, it's almost like a crossover. <laughs> like this is host meets scare package, which is kind of interesting. All right, let's see. So back to the, um, back to the wraparound. And then this is where we get our dream warriors segment. God damn it. Uh, this is when the douchebag from the first movie who couldn't get a job at the horror emporium literally does the welcome to primetime bitch gag where his head pops out of the top of the TV. He's got antenna sticking out of his head and his hands are of course the Freddy Krueger gloves. Like Mike said earlier, at first it's kind of cool. It's like, Oh shit, that's different. You know, but then literally the scene goes on and on and on. And that guy is still up on the television, his head sticking out of the top and his hands, you know, sticking out of the sides, but it just got so dull. Like, you know, it was clever at first. Why are you dragging this out? And, and this is right before the found footage segment that we get. We get a tiny little found footage segment, which really isn't found footage. Basically, uh, the douchebag gives um, Kelly Maroney, who's actually the mother of our final girl, our real final girl in both films, um, basically gives her a camera, a handheld camera, and tells her, you need to go into that darkened room right there and go get the key to let the other people out. And, of course, they're watching it on the television monitor, so it looks like a found footage movie, of course. We see Kelly Maroney. She finds the key. She's eventually attacked by some kind of creature, some pale white creature that's standing behind her. Um, we don't get to see the attack. We just kind of hear it off camera. But then Kelly, literally, like five seconds later, just shows up, literally just as um, the douchebag was about to fail the, uh, the contestants you know, for not completing this particular task. Out comes Kelly Maroney from the darkened room. Uh, the douchebag basically says, well, it's cool that you survived, but you didn't get the key, so you're all going to die. And then she spits out the key. She had it in her mouth the whole time. She uses the key, lets them out, which, of course, pisses off our douchebag to no end because he was convinced this was going to be the end of the game. The next time we see him, he's actually taken his mask off. He set up a couple of fans because he's like, oh, it's way too fucking hot in this mask to record this entire video. So uh, basically, he takes everything off. Obviously, we all knew it was already him. He already kind of, you know, let himself be known through uh, different appearances and videos. He even shows up at the funeral, which eagle-eyed viewers will be able to catch. You'll, they definitely show them there, but they don't focus on them. So maybe most viewers don't realize that he actually was there. But then later we get the reveal that he actually was at the funeral um, starting the game up, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, and then it's off to our, our last real segment of the movie that doesn't involve Rad Chad, and that is... Uh, what's the name of this segment? This segment is called We're So Dead. And this is the Stand By Me meets the Reanimator segment. Uh, we, we basically find four kids, <laughs> very much <laughs> like the kids in Stand By Me, you know, fat kid and everything, except this time we have an Asian kid and a girl as part of the group. They end up finding a dead body in the woods. They decide to take the body home to try to revive it. And then the Asian kid pulls out a syringe, a giant syringe with a glowing green liquid in it. Hmm, sound familiar? 
They go ahead and inject the body. The body instantly pops up screaming. And the girl just happens to have her dad's gun with her. And she shoots the guy in the head instantly, killing him a second time. Um, and then, then the conversation kind of changes, revealing that these kids have done this before. This isn't the first time they've done this. Uh, apparently, uh, at the, to, to the point where even the mom opens the basement and door saying, you, you're not reanimating homeless people down there, are you? So obviously these guys have a, a reputation for reanimating people. Apparently somebody discovered Herbert West's formula and started using it. Uh, so they revive, they end up reviving that guy a second time, but this time they've got him like tied down, but he does end up getting up. Uh, he ends up biting the fingers off of, um, he ends up biting the fingers off the Asian kid, two of the fingers off the Asian kid's hand. Uh, they go ahead and they kill him again. This time they decapitate him, but it doesn't actually kill him. The severed head, very much like, uh, you know, the doctor in Reanimator, um, basically is yelling at them, telling them, stop murdering me, blah, 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 shit like that, which, you know, is mildly entertaining. But then... Um, uh, the, the killer or the, the dead body kind of goes into a rampage and ends up taking out the fat kid. The fat kid is basically, he cuts off one of his arms, he cuts off one of his legs, and the kid is basically at the brink of death. Like, he's just on the ground bleeding. Uh, the Asian kid says, throw him in the transporter. Yep, yep, we are doing the fly now, folks, where literally... They stick the kid in the transporter with all the severed body parts. They put it all together. He's claiming that, you know, after he's transported to the other pod, that he'll be whole again. I don't know how the fuck that works, but there you go. What ends up happening is there's a cat in the segment. Of course, something has to go wrong, and it has to be a fly homage. So instead of a fly getting into the transporter with the kid's body parts, a cat gets in there. And then we get this uh, almost cool little reveal where the kid ends up going home. He ends up going home for dinner. Um, his mother and his sister are in the middle of grace, so their eyes are closed and they're looking down. Finally, they finish saying grace. They look up at him, and then we get the reveal of what he looks like. And, yeah, he's basically a human cat now. Um, still basically the same size as he was before, you know, the little fat kid, but now he's got a full mane, he's got big cat ears, he's got whiskers, he's got fangs, um, he's lapping up his milk out of the glass like a cat would, and that's pretty much the end of that segment. Um, again, not a terrible segment, but just so many fucking references that it just started to hurt. Um, I've even skipped a couple references, I mean, I had... Did I mention that that guy got skinned alive yet? That they did Hellraiser? I forgot that they did Hellraiser. Folks, I'm going to I'm gonna miss a lot of references. Just deal with it. Um, I didn't write that. Like I said, I didn't write down every single reference because I just got sick of it after a while. So um, at this point, uh, yeah, like I said, that segment ends. And then our four or five remaining survivors find themselves back at Rad Chad's Horror Emporium, uh, the video store from the first movie. And we see the douchebag come up on screen and he tells the group, okay, if you can figure out what four real world movies inspired that last segment that you watched, you may be able to get out of here. Obviously, they're locked in the video store. They've got um, explosive, um, what do you call it, collars, those exploding collars that are locked on their necks. 
And the first one is found right away. I kind of find it funny that the one non-horror segment is the one that was found first. Instantly, the girl's like, stand by me. (laughs) They all knew that that was supposed to be a stand by me parody. But then they spend the rest of that part of the movie kind of, well, an attempt at hilarity, trying to figure out what the other three movies are. I think the next movie that they figure out, they at first they think it's Pet Cemetery. They accidentally... Um, I think it's the thing, but it's ac- it, it is Pet Cemetery because it's the cat. Well, no, the thing was the fly. No, they, no, they, they start with the thing because they think because the they, because it melded together. But it's the cat because they brought the cat back to life. The cat that the kid merged with is the uh, cat. Is Pet Cemetery? Is Church sense. from Pet Cemetery? Right, right. But I mean, they didn't rebury the cat, so I, I guess I just didn't see the Pet Cemetery reference right away. Because um, to me, it was very obviously the fly. I think to most of us, it was very obviously the fly. But these are non-horror fans, of course. These are all yeah. like normies. So they're trying to figure out what the other three movies are. Uh, they figure out that it's the fly. Uh, and then the final guy, right before the timer um, goes off and his collar explodes, realizes, oh, shit, it was Reanimator. <laughs> that was the fourth movie they that they were trying to figure out. Yeah, and then they do the... Before all that, they do the one gag from Friday Part Two because <laughs> the, the douchebag kill that they thought they killed the, this whole time is stuck in a wheelchair. So what do they do? They have a machete, they throw it in his face, and it does the yep. mark ailment from Part Two, even including the, the you know falling, falling down the down yep. the stairs thing, which which yeah. is one of my favorite kills from that movie, but I don't know. It's that a I great needed. gag, but it's just one of those. It's like, how the hell did that realistically get pulled off? Yeah. How the hell were they inside a video store that doesn't have an upstairs? And then somehow he ends up outside falling downstairs with a machete in his face. I mean, it's a, it was a cool homage. Like I said, I love Friday the 13th part two. So I recognized it instantly. I don't think they even needed to do the wheelchair falling down the stairs, but of course, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. So, you know, they're going to go incredibly over the top with everything. That's that's the point where I put in my notes, that's it. They've hit every major franchise. They did um, Nightmare, Friday, Texas Chainsaw, and um, Hellraiser. You could throw Reanimator in there as a franchise. But, yeah, um, they did them all. I'm not sure. Did they do a ho- – I guess technically the, the, original- the first girl that they killed in the first segment is Lori. That's right. That makes sense. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, You're the right. first one, that, the, the first girl that they killed in uh, the the sorority house was Lori. Yep. So then, um, like I said, once uh, they figure out, or, or while they're trying to figure out what the four movies are, um, a door opens in the store and out pops the Devil's Lake Impaler, who we remember from the first segment, or excuse me, from the first movie in the final segment. Once again, played by Dustin Runnels, otherwise known as Gold Dust. You have to say the name correctly. Gold Dust. Yeah, so. Um, and we know it's Gold Dust. Even if you don't recognize his name, in the first movie, he actually appeared without his makeup on. So it's very obviously Dusty Rhodes' son. You can't mistake that maw of a face. So, um, so yeah, uh, Devil's Lake Impaler shows up. He's chasing them around the video store while they're trying to figure out what the last of the four movies are, blah, blah, blah. They end up getting out of the store. Um, uh, do they? Oh, shit. I forgot how that part ends now. Did they blow up the store? No. 
No, they get close to him when the when the guy realizes it's reanimator, the thing goes off, but he'd been luring him the entire time. Oh, so right, when right. the explosion goes off, the impaler's next to it. But of course, he's a horror villain; he doesn't die. But the other girl, <laughs> the others have enough enough time to escape, and they do the game over gag. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, they do the saw game over gag uh, with uh, 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 eventually Rad. They end up back at the funeral home. And Rad Chad does pop out of the uh, casket. He pulls off uh, the the fake face, the wound. If you remember, he was punched through his head by the Devil's Lake Impaler in the first movie. We find out in this one that that was actually a ploy. We we actually see that um, in the original movie, uh, or in the original situation, um, Rad Chad is actually holding up a dummy of himself. And that's what gets punched through the face. I don't know how the fuck they pulled that off, because... In the first movie, it's very clearly Rad Chad's body that falls to the ground, but whatever, I'm not going to question it. And yeah, so like I said, they get out of the store, and you know we get the reveal that Chad's still alive and that he's actually been doing this. We also get the reveal that um, our final girl from both films, her girlfriend, is actually in on this whole thing. And we see, we, we basically, the movie ends with Rad Chad, Han from the first movie. We remember the little Asian kid from the first movie who turned out to be a scientist. Um, the Devil's Lake uh, Impaler and then uh, Daisy's girlfriend uh, all are in a car and they walk and they drive away. And literally one of them says, okay, what are we doing for the next one? So, of course, it's looking like we're getting a third one. That's what they're implying, at least. And... We do. We we end up getting two post credit scenes. One is just a phone call, where Rad Chad calls Joe Bob to ask him. I don't even know what he asked him. He just asked him if he was there, but Joe Bob never says anything on the call. And like I said, we don't actually see Joe Bob here. We see his torso and we see the bearded dragon next to him. So of course, you know, we know it's implying that it's Joe Bob. He's on the phone calling out to him, Papa, Papa. And then just, you know, one last papa, really loud, very Tom Atkins. And, you know, that's kind of the end of that scene. Why the hell that needed to be in there is beyond me, but there you go. And then we get a final post, or a true post-credit scene that actually occurs after all the credits have played. And it's basically the guy that melted in both movies, the guy who melted in the first camping segment in the first film and then melted in this one from the acid puke. He is, of course, still alive, still a pile of goo and still calling out to people. Hey, guys, are you still here? That was funny in the first movie, but then they just rehashed it here. So it wasn't really that funny. You know, it, it was almost like they just ran out of ideas and said, ah, fuck it, throw that in there. And there you go. So there you go, folks. That's Scare Package 2. Still worth watching, I guess, if you're a big, big fan of these. Like I said, I don't necessarily regret my hour and 40 minutes with the movie. I just hate that this franchise has lost all its charm, all the charisma, all the good um the goodwill that the first movie created for this franchise pretty much got flushed down the toilet with this chapter. Um, as I've said, I, I obviously we're a horror movie podcast that reviews brand new movies. If a third movie does come out, of course we will watch it and review it, but I will definitely not be as excited for it as I was for this one. This was a bad way for me to end 2022. I'm actually very upset that uh, this happened. I may actually try to squeeze in a couple extra 2022 movies just so I don't end on this one. 
Um, just, you know, for principle's sake more than anything. But, yeah, maybe I'll watch Nanny. I've heard good things about Nanny. That's it, gentlemen. What else we got? Uh, not much. Um, you know, beyond this episode, like I said, this is uh, it for 2022 movies. Um, we are likely recording at least one more episode like regular episode before the top 10 show just because of timing of 2023 releases we get some like right away with the new year so i think in years past we might have done like the top 10 show as like the first show of the new year but this um one might be pushed back at least one week um i want to say there's another release but it might not be till the third week of 2023 so we might sandwich the top 10 show in there maybe we'll uh grab a guest maybe not just kind of depends who's out there who's available and who can work in our kind of time frame exactly yes let's say goodbye to 2022 in style yeah i'm kind of curious like i'm i'm looking forward to our i mean i always look forward to our top 10 show just like out of curiosity but i think this year i'm really looking forward to it because I think between the three of like between the three of us now like that Dom's got like the full year and all that and I think you know just from the movies we've covered on Fresh Cuts I think I've disagreed more this year with our like opinions on the movies we've seen and that's not even counting like the stuff that we haven't covered that I have no idea what you guys have you know think of it or if you've even seen some of the ones and i'm sure vice versa the same i'm sure some of the ones you've seen maybe outside of the show i haven't seen yet um maybe (laughs) i'll get them squeezed in but it just depends i feel like there's a lot of stuff out there that i can potentially watch but i'm trying to just go straight for like the ones that are at least like rated high by a fair number of people because you know my i don't have the same amount of time i used to to just sit there all day and watch them so (laughs) you know i'm trying to be a little more uh laser guided focused on like what could potentially be a top 10 or at least an honorable mention caliber movie but we'll see if i had to make a 10 list out of what i've just seen i could do it and i'd be okay with it but i you know i i do like to try to seek out um some some gems at the end just to see absolutely Absolutely, yeah. There's a few movies that I still need to catch up on. I already mentioned Nanny. I still haven't watched Midnight. I've heard a lot of great things about Midnight. Um, Mm -hmm. There's at least one other one that I have on my docket to watch. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But yeah, um, I still got two or three movies to watch. Hopefully they'll wash the taste of Scare Package 2 out of my mouth. And uh, I can end 2022 on a higher note. But uh, yeah, Yeah. man, my top ten. Um, I was, the like, first I was say, five were a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like, I'm curious about that movie releasing this Friday. On it, it actually is getting, like, a limited theater run at Netflix. It's called White Noise, and it's listed as, like, a drama, comedy, horror, so it might be one of the, like, gender-bending films where I kind of have to make a judgment. Yeah. Well, one, assuming it's good. Like, let's let's just, for the sake of this, let's just say it's good. Then I kind of have to make a judgment. Is it, like, horror enough? Because the trailer... It's hard to get a read on the trailer, like where, where, where it's going. Right? It's it's one of those trailers where like it, it doesn't give you 
a lot necessarily as far as story goes. So I, I'm I'm curious. Like it looks like it, it it definitely has the potential to be a really good movie, regardless. But whether it's worthy of like being on a horror list, I I won't know until yeah. this Friday. <clears throat> Yeah, we reviewed a lot of movies like that this year. Movies that are very... I mean, we started the year with a movie that Don and I both proclaimed is not horror. That was uh, C for Me. I mean, C for Me was a decent little movie, a home invasion movie. It was not a horror film in any way, shape, or form. But that kind of was a trend this year. Like, I feel like 2022 is the movie... is the year where we did the most questionable, is it horror-type movies. I mean, we reviewed Violent Night... I knew going into it that was not remotely horror, but, you know, I, I I figured, what the hell, we'll have some fun. Um, and I wanted to see David Harbour as Santa, so I knew I was going to watch the movie. So I didn't have any big disagreements with it. But, I mean, there's a few this year um, that uh, maybe wouldn't show up on a top ten horror list necessarily, but still were really good thrillers, per se, things like that. I mean, we just did The Leech last week, which, again – very much a psychological thriller, not a very good one, but a psychological thriller. Yeah, I I got one, and I'm I, and I, for the sake of like mystery or you know revealing it on that show, I have one that's very likely in my top ten right now that'll probably be questioned. And the thing is, I don't even know if you guys have seen it, so the question might not even come from you guys, but just people listening. But as of now, I would say it's probably in my 10, but it could get bumped out. It just kind of depends. We'll see. Yeah, this this year, my top five was easy. I don't know. Like, for some reason this year, my top five was a no-brainer. Like, when I sat down to start doing my list, it's like, yep, number one, number two, number three, number four. Like, like without even thinking about it. But the bottom five is the one that's giving me trouble right now. Like, I'm still in the middle of my rewatches. So there's a lot of borderline movies um, that may or may not appear on my list that I need to rewatch. But yeah, I've never had this much trouble with my bottom five. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like if not six through ten, at least like maybe seven through ten could be almost a coin flip whether they belong on a list or as an honorable mention. There's a lot of like same level yeah. movies out there for me. I'm sure I've said this before, but generally what I do at the end of the year with my rewatches is I actually do a hundred point scale. I don't do the five point or the 10 point. I'll, I will go straight up hundred point scale. So I, I try to get as meticulous, absolutely meticulous as I can. I mean, I remember last year I had a 94.5 and a 94 and, you know, it doesn't sound like a, you know, half a point on a hundred point scale doesn't sound like a lot, but for me, in that particular instance, it kind of was. So, yeah, I'll rewatch at least my top 15, give them a, hundred, uh, you know, a, a, ba- a score based on 100. My top two are already both 100, so that's not really much of a mystery. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I still, like I said, I still have at least eight movies to rewatch. So that that's, for those who don't know, that's why I, it's, it's me who demands the week off in between the end of the year and um, our top 10 list, because I don't like putting together a top 10 list after watching a movie once, especially if it came out like in February, you know, mm-hmm. like hatching hatching is a perfect example. Hatching came out in February and it was my number one movie at the time. It's nowhere near my number one movie now, but I don't remember at this point, you know, if I just love, like if I was head over heels for it, uh, I know I, I remember giving it a positive review. I'm pretty sure we reviewed it here. And 
absolutely adored it at the time, but I haven't seen it in so long. Like I literally can remember maybe three scenes from it. So maybe that speaks to the quality of the film. Maybe it's not nearly as memorable. So maybe it shouldn't be in my top 10. So yeah, there's a lot of variables involved. Trust me, folks. I'm like a scientist when I do my top 10, not to say that my top 10 is the definitive top 10 by any stretch. It is absolutely my favorite top, my favorite 10 movies of the year but I do get meticulous on it. So, you know, I'm giving you the most accurate top 10 that I can give you. So there you go. My list is just the shit we've covered. So I'm... yeah, Don's <laughs> list is a little bit easier. He doesn't have to cover the, the <laughs> plethora of Asian and foreign movies that he's seen that are probably awesome, but you know, yeah, he hasn't seen I, them. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've said, I'll say this where I am right now. Uh, the top 10 that would, be covered on fresh cuts would probably only include two or three titles from my actual true list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for yeah. those who don't know, Don is a horror writer. You know, he writes for um, an Asian horror website. I'm sh- you know, he's mentioned it here before, but yeah, I mean, he, he watches, I, I read his reviews all the time and he watches a lot of stuff that I've just never heard of. And sometimes it doesn't come out for like two or three years after Don sees it, should I say in this market. So yeah, yeah. sometimes we're lucky and sometimes we're not, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like I said, uh, there's probably only two, maybe three um, yeah, yeah. that would be. Yeah, there's probably like two or three that would be on the list that we do on the Fresh Cuts show that would be on my genuine top of the year list. Nice. But I, I don't know when that one's coming up because they, uh, my uh, my to get to pile is probably maybe 15 to 20. Not that I'm going to say that any of those are going to actually squeeze anything out, but they're just, yeah, I want to get to them just to cover my bases. Yep. Yeah, a couple of them are, you know, stuff from friends, so I want to, you know, do that just to support them and, you know, say I've seen it. But out of the 15 to 20, I can probably say two or three, maybe four, if I really, really put the time in and looked at them, could be, like upper end of the, like, you know, back end of the list candidates, like Mike said, mm-hmm. 7 to 10. Because yep. I think that's going to be the the one part on my, my genuine list. My my Fresh Cuts list is going to be pretty simple to figure out. But on the the, the genuine list, maybe the 7 to 10 stuff is going to be the, the most uh, fluid, I guess would be the, the correct term. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we only do about 50 episodes a year here on Fresh Cuts. You know, we I mean, we can count on one hand the amount of weeks that we don't do an episode. So, you know, usually about 48 to 50 episodes, whereas I watched, what, like maybe 108 movies this year, which, by the way, is like my lowest number since I started podcasting. I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching less and less movies every year. I don't know if that's quality or just my excitement for the genre or what, but yeah, it seems like every year my total number goes down a couple. So, hmm. um, for me, it's, I don't think I'm, well, I guess, I don't know if you were talking horror specific, but yes. okay. Yeah. So I would agree that my issue is just like, you know, since I've been working for home for almost what, a couple years now, I just feel like it's kind of opened up the opportunity to, to watch not that i didn't watch other genres before because i've never as much as i love horror i've never been like the type of horror fan that's like i only care about horror movies that's not me um i just happen to podcast on horror movies but if you caught me like if you you know if you were friends with me 
in just the offline world or real world, as I guess we could put it, mm-hmm. I'd be ta- I'd be talking about all types of movies. Um, it's just you yep. don't hear about it much. So I think you know, being home when I have access to other stuff, it's like. I don't want to spend my day just watching horror movies because there's other and you know we talk about going back and watching like old horror movies we might have missed well I do that with other genres too like I when I a couple months ago when I got into like a De Palma thing it's like I wasn't just picking out his horror stuff like I wanted his thriller stuff drama stuff and it I just want to watch good movies I don't care what genre it is you know yeah like if I did a top 10 if I did an overall top 10 of every movie I saw this year uh, it would probably only have like one or two horror movies on it. My number one would absolutely be a horror movie, and Don already knows what that is. But just the knows other what nine, it is. It's the same as mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the other nine, I mean, this was a really good year for cinema. Not not specifically horror. I mean, my top ten would have stuff like Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Whale. Um, and yeah, I'm going to say Avatar. I know I'm probably going to get a lot of people booing right now, but I understand that Avatar is not great storytelling, but goddamn, if it's not an absolute feast for the eyes when you're sitting in a theater in IMAX in 3d, I just watched it this week. So I'm still kind of high on it, but yeah. Um, yeah, my top 10 would prop my overall top 10 would probably only have one or two horror films on it. Cause this was a pretty strong year for general cinema. Not a strong year for the MCU, though. What happened, Marvel? What the fuck? <laughs> Thor, yeah. Love, and Thunder? Really? Really? <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, man, if I ever if I ever shut down, like, the shows I do now and restart it all over again, I'd probably restart with just, like, general cinema. Like, I would not do horror. I would still have horror as a part of it. But I would probably probably just be like, I just want to talk about all movies. Like maybe do like a new release podcast, but just for everything. Because, you know, that's what I do miss about Theme Warriors is because that's when we were talking like non-horror specific. And most most every movie I watch that's outside of horror, I don't really talk to people about, you know. I mean, I do inside conversations in our chats and stuff, but not so much these long-form conversations, so... No, yeah, it sounds like Mike's announcing his new show, Everything Else Fresh, coming in 2023. <laughs> yeah, Fresh Celluloid or something like that. Hey, God, Fresh Celluloid, that sounds gross. <laughs> that sounds like a, like a what, a Cronenberg? <laughs> yeah, especially since celluloid barely exists anymore. Does anybody even shoot on film anymore? I think it's gone. <laughs> ah, who knows, yeah. All right, let's get out of here. I'm hungry. All right, well, uh, let's find out if we have it. I mean, the holiday season's probably had us busy, so Venom, I'll start with you. Is there anything uh, new or current for people to check out? Nothing whatsoever. Um, the latest stuff would just be Creature Comforts, episode 14. Um, we looked at Troll, uh, my epi- my guest spot on Cuts of the Chase, where we looked at whoever slew Auntie Rue. The main show, No More Room in Hell, episode 49, dropped a couple of weeks ago. Um, but obviously with the holiday season, the only thing I really do is fresh cuts, the occasional guest spot on a Christmas episode of another show, like such as cut to the chase, like I said, but, um, yeah, I kind of slow down my podcasting towards the end of the year and, you know, just cause we're so busy with everything else. Like with Mike, I mean, Mike actually has like kids. I can't imagine Christmas at, you know, him trying to squeeze in horror watches while he's got you know, screaming kids asking him for the latest, you know, Barbie or whatever the fuck, you know? <laughs> so 
I, I'll give Mike all the credit in the world that he still makes it to all these episodes. Maybe not on time, but he still does make it. <laughs> You're muted, Mike. <laughs> yeah, man. I was I was just like, uh, parent time is a whole nother category. But... That's what I mean. You know, I, that's why I don't. I tend not to give you any shit for being late. You've got you got more going on than the rest of us, so I'm okay with it. I don't have kids. I never will. I'll never understand that life. So I give I give Mike all the concession in the world. So there you go. All right, Don. <laughs> how about you? Uh, yeah. Um, I have a. Uh, you know, guest spot on Cut to the Chase, which um, I'm surprised that it's not out yet because we recorded it a couple weeks ago. So uh, kind of surprised that that one's not available. Maybe it is by the time you hear this, uh, you know, in between uh, recording date and release date could always be, uh, you know, the, the episode gets released. But uh, that one was really fun. Uh, we got to do uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. So that was a, a fun time. And uh, I'm also pleased to state that by the time you hear this, Season 2 has launched. Uh, Horror Countdown is back and uh, should be available for you all to uh, check out. Um, I know that normally the release date is Sundays, but I decided to switch it up because like a dunce, I ended up planning everything and forgot to realize Sunday's New Year's. So everybody's going to be shit-faced and, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, uninterested in listening to anything. So, uh yeah, it's uh, available now. Uh, you should be able to, uh, you know, not only find it on your favorite podcatchers, but uh, also remember that all of the episodes are available on YouTube, just as well, uh, audio-only versions, but uh, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Really? Uh, still have one or two guest spots that are, uh, you know, share-for-share share kind of stuff. You know, you, you guys appear on my show, I appear on yours, kind of cross-promotion stuff, but... Uh, none of those are done yet. I think I got one to one coming up this week or weekend, I should say. Uh, I, I I I don't remember when I'd I'd have to look, but um, I I think I've got one coming up soon, and there should be another couple of more uh, share for share episodes that are coming up in the future. But I'll but um, I'll announce those when the time comes. So, yeah, um, as of you hear this, season two is available. We, Me and Lacey Lou, we looked at our top ten horror deaths. So that was a uh, really fun time and a uh, great way to kick off the new season. So looking forward to that. And, and yeah, uh, Creature Comforts, all the other usual stuff is out there as well. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, it for me. Top ten horror deaths. That's a super fun uh that's awesome yeah holy shit because there's just so like i feel like you could love someone's list and still be like hey but what about this (laughs) yeah that's kind of how it was yeah (laughs) yeah um i I think we joked on the show that um our honorable mentions could have been top 10 could have been a top 10 list and counted that down as well so (laughs) yeah that's almost a list like you top 20 or you know at least but um all right so yeah for me Nothing really. I mean, the main show is still out there. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, this is the end of the year, end of December. So we're probably right on the cusp of, like, ramping up uh, scheduling stuff in again. It's just, you know, giving it another week or two to finish out all our 2022 and get kick-started on the new year. But that's, you know, normal at this time of year. So 
Uh, nothing else for me except the main shows. But, you know, to all the listeners, thanks for another year of listening to Fresh Cuts. I'm pretty happy with uh, how the YouTube uploads are going. Um, it was like, you know, slow for a while, but it's picking up pace, especially like all the shows on there, not just like Fresh Cuts, but like the other shows that I've uploaded are starting to get a lot of listens. Um, people are starting to click the like button, which is cool. So now the next step is comments, <laughs> feedback of any sorts. I don't care if you hate us or hate our opinions. Just tell us. I don't care. I'll I'll, I'll read it anyway <laughs> and probably respond. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, that's gonna do it. Uh, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, we will see or I guess be listened to by all the listeners <laughs> next year. <laughs> And uh, with that, uh, thanks, and let's say bye to the listeners. Later. Happy New Year's, and don't drink too much, you fucking idiots. Happy New Year. <laughs>